Valone, and welcome to Know the Issues with Lisa Valone. As you may have guessed, I'm Lisa. A pro-democracy activist once said, the power of the people is so much stronger than the people in power. And he's right. Here in America, we believe in the power of the people, which is why our representatives in government are tasked with being our voices. But the only way they can accurately represent our voices is if they and we combined keep the dialogue open. We need to take ownership for our own involvement in government and to make a better community for all. And one way we do this is by educating ourselves on issues and not just the issues that the mainstream media carry or even the issues that our local representatives desperately try to bring to us through flyers and town meetings, but rather all of the issues. And educating means listening to all sides of an issue which is why with this podcast and with my magazine, I intentionally do not mention who introduced a bill or what their party affiliation is. Now is a time for us to have an education revolution, time to educate ourselves more fully so we can create a real partnership with our respected representatives. All right, so today I have with me two guests. So my guests are Tom from Albany and Dave from Binghamton. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. So the whole idea is I'm going to talk to you about different bills, uh, some that are with the federal government and some that are with the state in New York State. And I'm not going to tell you who who introduced them. So you're not going to know the name of the representative and you're not going to know which party because I want you to have an open mind and just listen to the issues and not listen to the party. So here we go with the first one. Okay, New York State Assembly Bill A-11073 is an act to repeal Section 25517 of the penal law relating to the crime of adultery. The bill made it to the governor to sign, but as of today, New York State is still only one of 17 states that still makes it a crime punishable by a fine or imprisonment for committing a sexual act with one that is not your spouse. Adultery in New York State is classified as a Class B misdemeanor, and is punishable with up to three months in jail or one year of probation. While adultery in most cases will not affect alimony or child support, it at times can have an effect on property distribution if the judge finds one party has spent considerably on a lover outside the marriage. So with that said, I want, and I'll start with you, Tom. What do you think about that, about adultery? Well, I think it is wrong to be punishable by jail time. If you are no longer in love with the person, that is how it works. Yes, you should be divorced, but I do not think it should be that type of crime. Dave? Yeah, I think it's one of those outdated laws that was probably from the Victorian age. And it's probably something that shouldn't be on the, the books any longer. I mean, that's a personal issue between the husband and wife and, uh, you know, they they have, it should be worked out between them. It shouldn't be a, a criminal offense. It, we got to come out of the dark ages. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know that we are only one of 17 states, like I mentioned, that still allows for adultery to be a criminal offense? There are actually lawyers who specialize in this, um, such as in Suffolk County and Long Island and a lot of other places. There are lawyers who, when it comes to divorce law, only specialize in adultery because they know that this law is still on the books. 
So do both of you then, from what you're saying, I imagine that you both believe that this bill needed to be introduced and you were for the passing of it. That it's yes, yes. Okay. Now, if you were to hear this bill, take a guess. Do you think a Republican introduced it or do you think a Democrat and why? I'll start with you, Dave. Um, I mean, my gut feeling would be a Democrat because they're more progressive and stuff, but I'm probably wrong on this one. It's probably a Republican. Tom? I would go with a Democrat because it kind of reminds me of some of the other laws that have been in this state that just shouldn't be. Now, if either one of you heard this being on the platform, let's say a Republican introducing it, would you have been answering the same way that you did today? Yes. Yes, yes, I definitely believe it should be repealed. Okay, it actually was a Democrat, Representative Dan Court. All right, here's another one. Ready? Ready. Okay, have you ever heard of the words devocalization of a pet? No. What was the term, devocalization? Devocalization. It sounds yeah. like something to silence them, right? Or remove their vocal cords? Yeah, absolutely. And you have pets too. So um, how do you feel about the fact that animals could be devocalized? Um, I, I wouldn't be in favor of My cats like to talk to me. That's how they tell me uh, they're either, uh, you know, hungry or in discomfort or that's, that's the way they communicate. I think it's a little barbaric. It's Kind of you get into the same thing with the clipping the nails. Uh, that's a controversial thing, but I think devocalization even goes a step further. Yeah, devocalization is actually a very painful and permanent procedure. And animals do go ahead and use their voice for a number of reasons to let you know when they're in pain, when they're hungry, when they, they want to be, you know, petted. There's so many different reasons that they'll go ahead and vocalize. But as of today, if you are a pet owner in New York State, you are allowed to devocalize your animal because you don't want to hear a meow or a bark. Well, a representative in New York State went ahead and said, no, if it's a medical necessity where it's for the animal's health, then yes, we can allow it. But if it's not a medical necessity, then no, it's not going to be allowed. So, Tom, how do you feel about this bill? I think that not only sounds barbaric, but inhumane. I'm really surprised that PETA didn't get involved and stop this before it even was considered. And it just doesn't sound right at all. Okay. Do you think that a Republican or a Democrat introduced this? We'll start with you, Tom. Uh, I don't really, that one I don't know as much. I, I would, I can't even believe it's a real thing. I would guess, if I'm guessing just because of my ways, I would say maybe a Democrat. Dave? I would go with a Democrat there. It sounds like a progressive uh, thing and, a, you know, kind of a caring and compassionate type uh, bill. So I'd, I'd roll with the Democrat on that. So you're saying only Democrats are caring and compassionate? Um, I, know I, I didn't mean it to come out that way to stereotype it, but... Uh, on most issues, they would probably fall under that head heading. But. Okay, so if you heard that it was a Republican, how would you feel about this bill now? 
me personally, it wouldn't matter to me because it's just a cruel sounding bill for anybody to even suggest. Okay. It actually happens to be a Democrat that brought this forward. Okay. Here's a new one. This one is in Congress. It's HR 7011, which if it were passed, would support stillbirth prevention and research. So the CDC states that one in every 169 births are affected by stillbirth each year in the United States. In fact, the number of stillbirths per year is 10 times higher than the number of deaths due to sudden infant death syndrome. And a study has found that the risk of severe maternal morbidity among stillborn deliveries is more than fourfold higher and is significantly associated with maternal mortality. Although so much progress has been made in the medical field of late, there has been no real decline in stillbirths in recent years. So this bill would provide for evidence-based programs and activities and outcome research to reduce the incidence of stillbirth. It still does not reflect how much funding would be needed to make this bill successful if it's passed, but hopefully that information is going to be shared very, very soon. So I want to ask Dave first, um, what do you think of this bill? Yeah, you know, anything to uh, improve medical care and, uh, you know, the health and well-being of the mother and or the child, uh, you know, would be uh, something I'd, I'd favor, I think. Tom? Uh, anything that can help save a life, by all means, try and figure it out for sure. Why do you think that it's taken so long for a bill like this to come forward, seeing that you both agree on this? Maybe it just wasn't to the right people long enough. Dave? Um, I guess, you know, so many other issues that uh, that's just something um, that's brought to the attention of a representative and they finally said, you know, well, let's vote on it or let's see if we can find some funding to push this forward. Do you think that COVID has anything to do with this? Maybe because people have more time to think and, and put facts together and they might have not realized just how many deaths there were from it. And now they probably do. Dave? Um, yeah, I mean, there's always been stillbirths, but, um, maybe like you said, more people have had more downtime and more time to hit the books, so to speak, instead of traveling back and forth. And maybe, um, somebody did take an interest in that issue and pushed it forward. Yeah. And actually it's more than that. Beginning in March of 2020, the number of stillbirths began to dramatically increase and it became dominant in July of 2021, where they found out that women who had COVID were four times more likely to deliver a stillbirth than a woman who was not affected. So COVID is something that I think might have brought this more to the forefront because of the dramatic increase in the stillbirths that we're getting with people who have been affected by COVID. Do you think that this is a woman issue, um, a party issue, or just a humanity issue? I personally think it's humanity, but unfortunately, it's probably more of a party in realisticness. I would think uh, it should be a humanity uh, issue, uh, but it's probably 
being pushed by one party over the other, you know? Yeah, actually, it was introduced by um, a woman representative. Her name is Representative Adams, and she represents part of North Carolina. Um, it seems that people who are of low income, people who smoke, people who are black seem to have a higher rate of stillborns. She was very surprised to find out that there hasn't really been any research on this matter. And she felt that just like a lot of us are looking at the fact that you have to let science lead the way. So the funding hasn't been figured out, but she knows that there definitely is a need to try to figure out what's going on here and reverse this. Um, it actually has received support from both sides of the aisle with um, both the Republicans and Democrats coming together. So I know today in today's world, we're always hearing about where they don't agree on things or where they're attacking each other. But in order for a bill to make it, you have to have both parties working together. You have to have some commonality where people see that this is helping out the community as a whole. And that is where I'm going to end today. There is so much more to discuss, but I would love your input. Please write me at knowtheissueswithlisavalone at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts or if you would like to be a guest. Thank you. And until next time, remember, it is not the person nor the party that we should be battling, but rather we should be having civilized conversation regarding the issues on legislation at the state and federal levels. Educate yourself, communicate with others, and reciprocate respectfully. If we follow these pillars, if we educate ourselves, let our voices be heard in an environment of mutual respect for those in office, those seeking office, or those with differing opinions, then we can make a more perfect union.